You're listening to the Siksika Health Fair Podcast, a CGSW original available on the website cgsw.com under the podcast tab. This podcast was created by CGSW, located on the traditional territories of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta, which includes the Blackfoot Confederacy, comprising the Siksika, Pigani, and Kaina First Nations, the Sutina First Nation, and the Stony Nakoda First Nation, including the Chiniki, Bearspaw, and Wesley First Nations. The city of Calgary is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. The 2022 Siksika Health Fair took place on June 7th at the Gordon Yellowfly Memorial Arbor with booths set up to promote health and wellness to the people and community of the Siksika Nation. With food trucks and tables selling Bia jewelry, three keynote speakers were also invited to present and share their stories and research in the topics that they specialize in. In this CGSW series, we'll showcase the speakers and learn more about them and what they discussed in their speeches. You're listening to the Siksika Health Fair Podcast. Dr. Angela Ferris is an assistant professor at the University of Oklahoma's Anne and Henry Zero School of Social Work, director of the Center for Child Welfare Training, and senior research fellow at the Hope Research Center. Her research focuses on how trauma-informed and hope-centered methods are applied in human service programs, the areas of child welfare, human service organizations, the use of hope-centered and a trauma-informed framework are the focus of Angela's current study. Dr. Ferris says hope has a psychological resilience that acts as a barrier against stress, adversity, burnout, and provides a more positive outlook that enhances both organizational and personal outcomes. This is further backed by the theory proposed by American psychologist Charles Richard Snyder, as found in the Oxford Handbook of Hope. According to Snyder, agency, the will to achieve a goal, and pathways, the apparent capacity to come up with ways to achieve that goal, are the two elements that make up the cognitive construct that is hope. A 2013 literature review released by the American Psychological Association credits hope for various positive outcomes, such as helping increase workplace productivity, better than intelligence and self-efficacy, better reports of mental health, and project an overall better sense of self. As you will learn throughout Dr. Ferris's discourse, hope is a proactive process. And so I grew up in a home that had a lot of stress, a lot of stress. And so I decided when I was going to go off into the university and I was going to study, it was that I was going to figure out what went wrong and how to fix that. That seemed like a good thing to do. And I decided I was going to help children. I wanted to be part of helping and understanding what was happening to children and how to solve that problem. So I go off to university, and you know what they teach me at the university? As, as we've learned, they teach you all of the Western ways of knowing, right? So they start to teach you things like figure out what the problem is and solve that problem. So they teach you skills and tools and knowledge to diagnose something and to understand. And so really what it becomes is this total way of having a wound and figuring out what the ointment is that we need to put on the wounds of our lives. And I was pretty good at doing that kind of work. But then I met my friend, Chan, and he said, I study hope. 
And I thought, well, what is that? That seems weird and funny and strange because I want to study the things that are wrong and fix real problems. And he said, then you need to study hope. And so the first thing I had to figure out was what was he talking about? So when you hear the word hope, what do you think of? What does hope mean? Do we think about hope as a way of feeling about something or a way of thinking about something? Now it feels good when things that we want are happening to us, but hope is a way of thinking. And so we started to study this and here's what we've learned. Hope is a belief that my future will be better than today and that I have the power to get there, that I can have the future I want. And so you see, it changes things, right? I'm not going to just study the wound and how to put an ointment in it, but what I want to do is think about what's the future I want and how do I get there? Now, I'm not just talking about optimism and positive thinking. Positive thinking and optimism can be very good for us, but that really is the beginning of this definition, right? Something that's optimistic is the belief that my future will be better. But what makes hope different is the second part, is the belief that I have the power to make it so, that my community, my classmates, my family, that we can move to the desired future that we have. So if that's what hope is, and by the way, we believe that hope is one of the most important things that we can have in our lives, then how do we get there? How do we make hope happen in our own lives? Well, it's pretty simple, that's the good news. It starts, one, is that we have to think about what a goal is, and we have to have a goal. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit different language for this. A goal is what you imagine your future to be. So when you think about yourself down the road, the next generation and the next years, what do you want that to be? Can can you see yourself in the future? Do you see yourself as well? Do you see yourself as safe? Do you see yourself as loved? and important and belonging, right? So you imagine yourself in the future, and then when we are hopeful, what we know is we set pathways or build strategies that help us to get there. We have to figure out what are the routes to get to the future I desire, to my goals. And here's what's really important. We know that people who are hopeful also are really good at solving problems and getting around the obstacles when they get in the way. The third part that we've learned about hope is this really important thing, and that is we have to have the willpower, the motivation to keep going. And this is important because there are lots of things that can get in our way and distract us from the future that we desire. All three of these things have to be present for our hopeful thinking to be there. As a matter of fact, what we've learned is if we have a goal, but we don't actually have any paths to get to that goal, Or if we have a goal and we don't have the motivation to pursue it, then what we're talking about is wishing. Now, I wish all the time, right? I wish for things all the time in my life. We're not talking about wishing. We're talking about how do I actually move to the future I desire. Now, I'm from Oklahoma, and so we use hope in our day-to-day language all the time. But what we've learned is we kind of use it wrong. So we say things like, I hope it doesn't rain today. Or I hope that, now we have storms there. I don't know if if anyone usually knows anything about Oklahoma, you know that we have tornadoes and storms. So we say things like, I hope it doesn't storm today. I hope there isn't a tornado. Now I really desire that goal, to not have a storm or a tornado in the middle of a picnic or a lovely day. 
but do I have any strategy to stop a tornado in my home? I don't, right? I don't have any pathway to get there. So all I'm saying then is I wish we wouldn't have a storm. When we're talking about hope, we're talking about things that we can actually build strategies to get there. Now here's what's interesting about hope. Stress, trauma, and adversity, when we're, when we're suffering, when things are hard, that those are things that disrupt the way we think about hope. They get in the way of our ability to imagine our future. And so we've learned things like the way stress and adversity gets in the way of our goals is it, is it we start to learn how to set goals, but they tend to be to avoid bad things from happening instead of goals that help us achieve the things that we want in our lives. And that we tend to, when we're stressed, only think about the short term. What do I need to do today? How do I get through the next hour? What do I have to do this week? Instead of being able to dream about and think about and imagine ourselves well into the future. The other thing we've learned is that stress and adversity um, really impact the roadmap and the pathways that we have to that future. So for example, uh, when we have stress or trauma, our ability to even think about and problem solve gets really depleted. It can be really hard to find solutions. Now, have you ever had those days where you're rushing maybe to do something and you have a lot of tasks to complete and then you realize you've lost the keys to your car or you can't find that cell phone that you need before you head out the door? And those are really simple problems, but in the middle of stress, you can't solve them, right? So we all experience these things where we can't problem solve. We've also learned that stress and adversity um, keep us from being, being able to think of multiple ways to get to the goal that we want. And so when we run into roadmap blocks or barriers, we just can't keep going. And then the third thing that we've understood about stress and adversity is it robs us of the mental energy. It keeps us from being able to think about and pursue the goal. Even when we really want it, we get exhausted too quickly. We become too tired to continue pursuing forward. This is why we know things like eating well, sleeping, resting, practicing mindfulness, prayer, why those things are so important for us is that it helps us to have the energy to face the future that we want. Now, can I give you an example of how we do this? Do you remember learning to drive for the first time? So the first thing we know is it, for you to be able to drive the car, you have to imagine yourself driving it, right? So before you even get in, you have to think, I can do this, right? I can see myself driving and racing or doing whatever it is you want to do in the car. But let me talk to you, for those of you who've done this before, you get in the car to drive with this new stick shift car, it's the very first time, and you get started, what happens? You let off the clutch, you push the gas, what happens the very first time? The car dies, right? Every one of us, everywhere, when we try to drive the car the very first time, we don't do it well, we fail. And not only do we fail, but it's this, the engine makes this clunking, clanking noise that we've never heard a car make before, right? It's a huge failure. Now what we've learned with hope is that people who have, when our hope is higher, that we're more likely to keep going, even when we failed at something. So why do you think people that, when they start to drive a stick shift car and the car dies, what do you think makes them keep going? 
Why do they try again? You know what? They really want to drive that car, don't they? So even though you failed the first time, why do you keep going? It's because I really want to drive that car. I want to go fast. I want to be able to go do things with my friends. I want to be able to go. So it's a goal, right? We have this thing that we really want, so we keep going even when things get hard. Now, sure enough, what we learn is most of the time when we take people out and we show them how to drive and we give them directions, then the next thing you know, they pull the car forward and they're able to go. And when they first start moving forward in that car, what they can start to say is, I can do this, right? And even though you're going just a little bit and you're just learning for the very first time, you start to change your mind from saying, I can't drive to I can drive. And that's what we've learned from hope is that we want to teach people how to move from the I can't to I can. I can see myself driving this car. I can see myself taking it into town. I can see myself driving all over Alberta. I can even see myself, if I need to, driving all over Canada. That would be fun, wouldn't it? It is clear that hope is an active, cognitive, and a goal-oriented process. Having a goal is arguably important to formulating the equation. Finding ways to reach that goal is the next and most crucial step in solving that equation. As such, it's important to examine ways in which to attain potential goals. For our purposes, let's consider how it may relate to Siksika Health for these next few breaks. To begin, the American Psychological Association points out another way we can frame hope as posited by nurse researcher and Dean Emerita for the University of Minnesota, Kay Hirth. Hirth agrees with Snyder's conceptualization of hope, but Hirth adds that working towards a goal involves a social factor. In this case, the Siksika Health Services answers that call. One determinant of health that affects all individuals is mental health. According to the Zixika Health Services website, there are various mental health supports and resources available. Among them is a land-based therapy program that reconnects and strengthens individuals' relationship with the land and animals. According to the Zixika Health Services website, persons who encounter nature with their senses other than sight may enjoy benefits for their mental health. What matters in all of this is how well we manage the willpower to keep trying, to keep doing it. And what we've learned is that stress and trauma rob us of hope. They keep us in the I can't mindset. So we've been studying what are the things that we can do to help people think about how to move to the future they desire. One of the things I want to ask you is what do you think is the opposite of hope? What does it look like to not have hope? What kinds of words come to your mind? What we've learned is that when we lose hope, it's a process. Unless we have a big event happen in our lives, something horrible that might make us lose hope in a twinkle of an eye, usually as we lose hope, it's a stepping thing. It starts with us feeling anger or anxiety because something we really want in life has got a lot of obstacles in front of us and it doesn't feel very possible anymore. And if we still can't get to the goal we want because obstacles are in front of us, then we move out of anger into despair. And desperation brings about some desperate behaviors in our lives. That's where we turn to using an alcohol or a cigarette or a drug, or we do other things that aren't very healthy for us when we're desperate. 
And what we know is that desperation is because we can't adjust that goal. But really the opposite of hope is apathy. Apathy is this idea of somebody who just is at the point where they're thinking, I don't, I don't care anymore. You do what you want to do. You say what you want to say to somebody, and it just doesn't matter. And apathy or hopelessness is a really dangerous place for us to be in. It is really not good for our well-being to be apathetic to the goals that we once have or have in our lives. And so we want to pay attention to the people that we love and to the people that are around us to see where do we see anger, where do we see desperation, and more importantly, where do we see our young people that say, I don't care anymore. Because that's where we've had a loss of hope, and those are the spaces that we want to take care of each other is when we see that loss of hope. When we think about hope, because we're thinking about our future and our thoughts about the future, what we've learned or what I understand is that we, we kind of have a couple of ways that our thoughts can wander. Now, if we're practicing mindfulness or prayer or meditation, our thoughts are in the moment, they're in the present. But a lot of times what we have is we're thinking about the past or we're having thoughts about our future. So we're reminiscing about our past or we're thinking about our future. What, both of those are good for us. It's good to think about our past. It's good to consider who was before us, but also to think about where we're going next. But the problem about thinking about our past is if what we do when we think about our past is we think back on fear and worry and that there's shame or guilt kinds of things. I wish I'd have been nicer. I wish I would have done something different. But if we can look back on our past with the one on the top here, which is nostalgia, and what we mean by nostalgia is we can look back on our good memories, on the times that we shared good experiences together, or we celebrated together, or we, or we felt comfortable or safe together, then those are very good ways to think about our past. But when we stay thinking about the past in anger, regret, and rumination, then what we tend to do is we then look to our future with the same kind of attitude, and that's worry and fear and regrets. And when we overwhelmingly find that our thoughts are focused on the future with worry and fear, then that's suffering. And think about when COVID-19 started, the whole world spent weeks and months with worry and fear for our future. What does this mean? Will we wear masks forever? Will our elders be safe? Will our loved ones be safe? And that's hard to do for a very long time. On the other hand, though, if we can look back and think about our past with some nostalgia and memories and think of how we're resilient and overcome, then when we look to the future, that's how we use and have hopeful thinking and that that's where flourishing comes from. Now, I asked you earlier if hope was a thinking thing or a feeling thing, and you said, right, you said it's a way of thinking. Now, here's the, th here's the good news, is that if it's a way of thinking, because it is, then it means it's something that we have to be taught. It doesn't just come naturally. Feelings and emotions come very naturally. You, don't ha you can see a very small, small infant child and know that they're angry right? They'll tell you they're angry. They'll cry and they'll scream and they'll sh kick their little legs in the air. So we don't have to be taught emotions. Hope is a cognitive process. It's a way of thinking. So we have to teach one another how to have hope. 
We have to teach one another how to think that our future could be better today and that we have a power to make it so. We have to help one another figure out our goals. We have to help one another develop pathways and strategies. And we have to help one another continue going on the things that are most important for us. So how do we do that? We need to, to be in a relationship with one another. It's our connection to one another to understand what it is we want for our future. We have to be able to help one another figure out the strategies. This is where you listen to your elders. They know the strategies and the pathways to get to the future. We also need to imagine, we have to create these memories about our future. We have memories about our past. What are the memories you want to have for your future? And so begin to visualize those things and talk about them and, and, and make them clear to one another. What do we want to be in the future? And as we do that, hope rises. In this break, let's consider other services that are offered by the Siksika Health Services. According to the Siksika Health Services website, they offer a variety of recreation programs. Among them is the Siksika Nike 7 program, or SN7. SN7 is a peer-to-peer -peer support initiative where youth and young adults can become empowered and inspired via support and development of skills in areas including physical literacy and fitness, leisure pursuits, practical knowledge, dispute resolution, and mental wellness. Another avenue that promotes physical activity is the Many Guns Boxing and Fitness Center. The Many Guns Boxing and Fitness Center is equipped with a broad range of gym equipment and systems. As such, this allows the center to offer programs in boxing, yoga, Muay Thai, circuit training, and youth sports performance. Now the reason why these programs are beneficial is because of the science behind physical activity and how it can impact our mental health. The Siksika Health Services website says that the main chemicals in our brain that are responsible for our mood and motivation are dopamine and endorphins, which can be considered our happiness chemicals. When an individual's mental health is affected, an imbalance can occur with our happiness chemicals. But physical activity and good nutrition play a vital role in restoring these happiness chemicals, which can result in an overall better mood, motivation, and feel-good thoughts. I'm not the only person that studies hope. There's lots of people all around the world that study hope. People in places like Pakistan, Afghanistan, China, Taiwan, places that we don't normally think of as being high hope places. And here's what we've learned. Our hopeful thinking is one of the best predictors of our well-being. That if we can imagine our future selves, then we are far more likely to heal from mental illness and physical illness. We're far more likely for our families to stay connected. Our kids who are hopeful do better in school. They're more likely to graduate. They're more likely to have good grades. They're more likely to um, go on to the university. We also know that for, for individuals who are more hopeful, they're more likely to seek help. And so they tend to have better outcomes in their life. So it becomes this really important characteristic and mindset that we can nurture in one another. As a matter of fact, I would tell you and, that hope is one of the best predictors, if not the best predictor of our well-being. If you're going to do one thing for your family, for your mental health today, I want you to work on and think about your hope for the future. 
So here are some strategies. I want you to develop important goals for yourselves. And remember, I told you goals are ways that we imagine ourselves in the future, right? How do I see myself next year in school? Or how do I see myself next year um, in my home or in my tribe, in my community? I want you to consider the pathways. What are the strategies? How am I going to get to and do well next year if that's your goal, right? So let's see. I've got the young people down front. So maybe one of your goals is to make really good grades next year in school. Right? So that's a really good, can you imagine yourself making good grades in school next year? Yeah. So if you want to do that, then we got to think about, well, what are some things that you need to do to make good goals? And we want to, to make those good grades. So we want to build steps. Maybe we study differently. Maybe you have to ask for help because you're learning new things that are difficult. Maybe you need to practice things more, right? So thinking about lots of different ways to get to that future. I want you to also think about then why you want to do that, right? What's the motivation? And then finally, I want you to work on how do you problem solve? What if you run into some problems? Who can help you? How do you who are you going to ask to help you along the way if you're having a hard time getting to your goal? It's about nurturing your belief that your future can be better and that you have the power to make it so. One of the things that I want to tell you is that hope doesn't happen from being alone and by yourself, hope is a social gift. It comes from being with one another and learning it from one another. Having hopeful people around us, having hopeful communities, hopeful schools, hopeful places of work, it is a social gift. And ultimately, at the heart of change is our ability to think about how things are right now and that we can begin to imagine the way that things could be in the future. And that's where hope begins to rise for us. Thank you. Thank you. So what we have learned from Dr. Angela Ferris is that hope is a process. We should refrain from thinking about hope as a feeling. Instead, we need to think about hope as a way of thinking. And that starts with figuring out what we truly want. And then from there, we can start brainstorming how we can get from point A to B. Because hope is about having a goal, then finding ways to achieve that goal. But the third and most important aspect is to have the willpower to see it through. All three of these factors that contribute to hope need to be present. Because if not, as Dr. Ferris says, all we would have is wishful thinking. Now we don't necessarily have to wait until adversity happens. As was established earlier, hope is a proactive process that only you can control. As long as you have hope, and as long as you continue to build hope in a proactive and productive way, then that is what truly matters. For this last break, I would like to mention a few points from a separate speech 
whose speaker happens to be the next keynote speaker that we will feature in this podcast series, Wanique Horn-Miller. Wanique Horn-Miller is a Mohawk Olympian, mother, commentator, community advocate, and motivator. In March 2016, Wanique gave a speech at Concordia University about the role hope has in health. One thing Wanique says that stands out is that without hope, there can be no health. Wanique notes that growing up, her mother, Continetta Horn, played a big role in instilling within her resilience through a firm belief in hope. Wanique says the resilience of hope helped her through her hardest moments in life, such as finding the courage to keep going despite the trauma she experienced after a Canadian soldier stabbed her in the chest during the Oka crisis because she had a goal that she did not want to be anybody's victim. Wanique ends her speech by asking, Can you imagine if we could all become hope makers like my mother? Just imagine what this country could be. This has been the Siksika Healthfare Podcast. This episode featured the second of the keynote speakers at the 2022 Siksika Health Fair, Dr. Angela Ferris. Dr. Ferris discussed the impact of how a revised understanding of hope can bring in benefits for many indigenous communities. A special thank you to the Siksika Nation for inviting us to record the event, the Oxford Handbook of Hope, and the American Psychological Association for the information on hope. The Siksika Health Services website for the information on programs that they offer that help promote mental wellness. And lastly, the walrus for Winnie Horn Miller's speech about the role help has in health. Thanks for listening, and make sure to listen to the next episode to hear from Winnie Horn Miller, a Mohawk Olympian, mother, and motivator. You've been listening to a CJSW original. For more episodes of this show and more original content, check under the podcast tab on cjsw.com.